0: We return to Genesis after a few weeks away and uh, continue to look at the life of Abraham. Again, Genesis chapter 21, verses 22 through 34. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring or with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water which Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing to you. You did not tell me nor had I heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? And he said, you will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. This is the word of the Lord. May he bless it in our hearing. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your word this Lord's day, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would illuminate our hearts to receive it, that we would uh, know what you want for us to know concerning your word, that we would see even in this text, this history of this covenant between Abraham and Abimelech, the glory of your son, Jesus Christ, shown forth, and that we may see how we are to live before your face and in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we come back this week to Genesis after a few weeks away. What we saw previously in chapter 21 was at first the joyous birth of the covenant son of Isaac, but then also a permanent but sad and tragic resolution to Abraham's family strife. Hagar and Ishmael were sent away into the wilderness where Ishmael would be a father of nations, but he would do so apart from the people of God, apart from the worship of God apart from the city of God. But before that, in chapter 20, Abraham had been embroiled in scandal because of his own sin. He had come into the land of the Philistines, the land of this king, Abimelech. There he, rather shockingly and strangely, in light of everything else that had happened in his life, lapsed into a sin that he had previously committed, that had previously been recorded for us in Egypt. He tried to pass off his wife, Sarah, as his sister. In fact, to hear Sarah tell it in chapter 20, it seems that this is something they had done everywhere. They had gone. They had never really stopped doing this sin. So that is to say, we have seen in recent passages a reckoning with the continuing consequences of Abraham's sin. There was this matter with Abimelech, there was the matter of Hagar and Ishmael, the wife and son of pragmatism from chapter 16, which was essentially an open wound, a continuing conflict in their household that had been produced by that web of sin that Sarah had spun back in chapter 16. But this has now been resolved. Hagar and Ishmael have been sent away. But today we see a further interaction and a further resolution to the situation with Abimelech. Back in chapter 20, the situation with Abimelech was resolved in Abraham's favor. God directly and supernaturally intervened in the form of a dream to Abimelech to allow Abraham to escape with his life and his wife and even with some of Abimelech's money and goods as well as permission to dwell in his land. But Abraham has spent decades now as a sojourner, as an exile, traveling from place to place and having no permanent home of his own. He has often run into conflict. He keeps having to move from one place to the next. He has to follow the resources. He has to follow the weather. He has to follow, he has to move to where Uh, such a large family and large livestock operation as his can live. So the question we are now faced with as we approach the close of Abraham's life is will he now have some peace and rest? Well, today's text helps us to answer that question. We learn in our text today that there is still some unfinished business with Abraham and Abimelech and their people and property. This will need to be dealt with, so that Abraham might finally dwell in some safety and security in his old age. While Abimelech has allowed Abraham to dwell in his land, there seems to be some unresolved tension and difficulty. But that will be addressed in our text today. Abraham will enter into a covenant with this king, Abimelech. We'll look at our text this morning in four points. First, there is a recognition in verses 22 through 24. Abraham is called upon to swear an oath, acknowledging that Abimelech is done right by him. But Abimelech also recognizes in this text at least something of the power and the trueness of Abraham's God. And second, we see a restoration in verses 25 through 28. Abraham has a complaint against Abimelech over one particular matter, the matter of a well of water. And third, a ratification in verses 29 through 31. The covenant is confirmed by the offering of a gift by Abraham. And then fourth and finally, we have remembrance in verses 32 through 34. A monument, a memorial is set up for this covenant, which is made. So again, we have recognition, restoration, ratification, and remembrance. Those are our four points for this morning. So first we see recognition in verses 22 through 24. We see that Abimelech, along with Phicol, the commander of his army, have a meeting with Abraham. It's something of a summit, something of a state meeting. Now this is the first contact, the first interaction we have seen between the king and his guest since that treachery of chapter 20. Now again, though that situation could have gone a very different way, Abraham could have, and by strict justice, probably should have been punished for his treachery. God intervened so that the situation would work out for Abraham's protection and good. Now, it was also demonstrated there that though Abimelech, by all accounts, seems to be an unbelieving and pagan king, he at least recognizes that Abraham seems to have the ear of some important god. This is consistent with the purposes of the covenant that God made with Abraham. It was not just for the blessing of Abraham and his household. The covenant was for the blessing of all nations, all the peoples of the earth. Now, while it takes many centuries, even millennia, for this blessing to come to its highest expression with the coming of Christ and the spread of the gospel and the blessings of the covenant of grace to the ends of the earth, We see these blessings break through in a shadowy form under the old covenant and how some are blessed through their interactions with the people of God in the world. Now we don't know or have recorded for us any indication that Abimelech or any of his people became worshipers of God, but at least as it pertains to common grace, having Abraham there in their land was a blessing to them. Yet Abimelech does, in the first thing he says to Abraham in this passage, acknowledge that Abraham's God, at the least, exists, and has real power, and is clearly helping and aiding Abraham. Abimelech was probably some kind of polytheist, some worshiper of multiple gods. And he figured, well, Abraham's God clearly has some power, clearly can do some things, So we could probably give this god a spot in our pantheon, our collection of gods. Now, never mind that Yahweh demands exclusive devotion. But Abraham's god was the same god that had appeared to Abimelech in a dream during Abraham's episode of treachery. And at the very least, knowing something of Abraham's god and the power he wields, Abimelech wants to keep good relations with Abraham, and vicariously with Abraham's God. So even if Abraham hasn't done the best by Abimelech, Abimelech still has an incentive to do right by Abraham, and God has providentially ordered this situation for Abraham's good. But it does seem that there must be some lingering doubt about Abraham on Abimelech's part because he comes to Abraham and asks him to make this covenant, asks him to swear this oath, to do right by him and his descendants. I've mentioned this before, but as a reminder, oaths are serious business, even if we don't often regard them as such nowadays. Our Westminster Confession devotes an entire chapter, chapter 22, to the taking of oaths and vows. They're treated there as an act of religious worship. This is because even though the matter for which they are taken may not be a religious matter, they involve a calling upon the name of the Lord, even if it is just to bear witness concerning something in the temporal sphere. Now, oaths still exist. You might take one if you have a position in the government, or if you have to go to court to testify about something, you take an oath. If you sign anything that has to be notarized, That actually involves an oath taking, an oath swearing. Now, sadly, people don't take their oaths very seriously these days in many ways. In the examples I've just provided, you could probably think of instances, you could think of examples where people take oaths and still deception and fraud occur. Just think of the oath that all of our government officials take to uphold the Constitution, to uphold the laws of the land, and yet all the Cases of corruption that we see among our governments. Think of all the people who go to court and then they take the oath, you know, they put their hand on on the Bible and raise their other hand and swear to tell the truth and then proceed to tell lies. But the solemnity of an oath comes from the value and the worth and the dignity of the name in whom the oath is sworn. So our confession rightly teaches that As Christians, if we swear an oath, we should only do it in the name of God. We should only call upon God as our witness because he is the only one who is worthy to do so. However, because we are invoking God's name, we should do so with holy fear and reverence. This is a major implication and application of the third commandment. We looked at a few weeks ago in our catechism reading. To swear an oath in God's name falsely is to take his name in vain. And this is the most severe of sins, one which God vows to not hold guiltless. So Abimelech asks Abraham to swear by the name of God, to take an oath in God's name, that he will not deal falsely with Abimelech or his offspring, but that he will deal with him kindly as Abimelech has done to him. Though Abimelech was wronged by Abraham before, Abimelech did well to Abraham, letting him leave, letting him live, even giving him gifts. Now, in a certain sense, Abimelech had no choice but to let Abraham and Sarah go because God said that he would kill him if he did otherwise. But Abimelech did better than that. He gave him possessions, he gave him animals, he gave him money, and gave him permission to dwell in his land wherever he wanted And so in return for the kindness that he has shown, Abimelech is asking Abraham to swear an oath that he will do right to Abimelech and his posterity. Now just as a bit of foreshadowing, a bit of looking ahead, it seems Abraham will make good on this. Though in the very chapter after Abraham's death, in Genesis 26, his son Isaac will repeat some of his father's sins against either this Abimelech or another who is a descendant of him. But for now, Abraham agrees to swear an oath and will keep his word. He agrees to Abimelech's proposal in verse 24. But in order for this covenant to be sworn and to take effect, there is one matter of business that needs to be attended to. and This brings us to our second point. After Abimelech's recognition of God's presence with Abraham, we come to restoration in verses 25 through 28. We see that Abraham next brings a complaint to Abimelech about a well that Abimelech's servants had taken from him. He had dug it himself, but then others had come and taken control of it. Now in that area of the world, wells were very important for survival, The land of Israel and the surrounding lands that were very hot and dry. Rain was inconsistent and unreliable. So sources of water, like wells, that were permanent and consistent, they were very important for keeping people and animals alive. So so Abraham had dug this well at some point in the past, and then sometime since, some of the Philistines had taken it over. Abraham wants it back. He needs it back as a reliable water source, was vital for Abraham's life and livelihood. Now Abimelech says that he did not know about this matter. He responds as though he's hearing it for the first time. This might raise some questions for us. Why didn't Abraham do anything about this before now? He and Abimelech were supposed to have good relations, but it seems that they had broken down. Abraham had this well. He lost it. It seems he had found a way to make do for a time without it, but it was a serious problem in his mind. Abraham has been given permission to live in the land, but living in the land doesn't do a whole lot of good if there's no water. Now, did Abimelech really know about this or not? Or call his commander there with him? It's hard to tell. We don't know. Did Abraham not raise the issue now? Until now, because of patience and forbearance, or because of some lingering fear and distrust of Abimelech, or even shame for his past sins against Abimelech. Again, hard to know for sure. But whatever the case, Abraham, now that he has an opportunity, wants something done about this well, and Abimelech is willing. So they enter into a covenant. Abraham, being the inferior in this situation, offers to Abimelech a gift gives him tribute, gives him animals to sweeten the deal of this covenant. You might remember previously that when God entered into the covenant with Abraham and ratified it, he is the greater king, commanded Abraham to set aside animals and to sacrifice them as part of the covenant making. But here Abraham does not wait to be asked. He gives the gift freely. See, the plight of Abraham in the land of the Philistines is that while Abimelech has shown him some favor, he is still a stranger and a wanderer. He doesn't have a lot of leverage. He doesn't have a lot of raw power. He doesn't really own any of the land. In fact, the only piece of the land he'll ever own is he'll buy a small piece of it to bury his wife when she dies. In many ways, this is what our life in this world as Christians is like. We live in this world, in this life, We try to live lives faithfully and pleasing to God, being salt and light for the gospel. But we do this recognizing that this world is not our permanent home. We hope and we long for something ultimately better. But this this does not mean that we are unable or should seek to live apart from earthly concerns. We don't become cloistered. We don't give up on the world and go live in monasteries or things of that sort. We don't even take the more subtle form where we just live utterly separate from the world and never interacting with it. While we recognize that we are part of the city of God and that the city of man in many ways is against us and separate from us, there are ways in which we must overlap and interact with the city of man in our journey in this world. And when we do so, we should do so in a way that is honorable and righteous. See, Abraham had every right to ask for the well because he had dug it, but he also knew he needed the king's cooperation. And so we see that part of this is offering a gift. Abraham sets aside seven female lambs in verse 28. This is important in this covenant making, and it brings us to our next point. After the recognition and restoration, we see ratification in verses 29 through 31. So Abraham, in addition to the other sheep and oxen that he has given to Abimelech to enter into this covenant, he sets aside these seven lambs. He has done so essentially to be a sign that Abimelech accepts the term of the covenant. By taking these seven lambs, Abimelech is acknowledging that he has the right to the well and its water. Now we see this language of a lamb or lambs being offered in exchange and accepted by a king. This is symbolism. This is to point us somewhere. Just as lambs are offered to the king in exchange for Abraham's well, which would have been a source of continued life for him, a lamb must be offered in place of sinners so that they might have life. The king accepts the offering of the lambs as worthy of the well. By taking these lambs from Abraham, there is an acknowledgement that the well belongs to him. He has the right to keep it, the right to use it. So too, the sacrifice of the lamb of God is accepted. And because of that, God's people, Christ's people, have the right to the life and blessings of children of God. Now we see that this covenant making between Abraham and Abimelech results in this place being named Beersheba. We've heard this name before. We've heard this place called by this name. But this passage tells us how it got its name. Be'er means well. Sheba means swearing. It is the place of the well of swearing. It's the well where Abraham and Abimelech swore this covenant, and it's the well that they swore it for. The king has accepted the offering, and Abraham's source of life is restored. But there is one last point to which we must attend. After the recognition, restoration, and ratification, we come to remembrance in verses 32 through 34. Abimelech and Phicol, after the covenant making is complete, they pack up and go home, back to where they came from, to the land of the Philistines. They probably live to the west. They would have likely lived near the Mediterranean coast. Abraham lives more inland, towards the wilderness. But Abraham takes certain steps to commemorate and remember what has happened this day. First, we see that Abraham plants a tamarisk tree. This was to serve as a reminder of the covenant that was made. Now, you might know tamarisk trees in this area as salt cedar trees. They're kind of strange trees. They're kind of these weird, tall, thin, scrubby trees. But then in certain ways, they kind of look like evergreen trees. Well, one thing about salt cedars or tamarisks, they require a source of water to live. In fact, they're a noxious weed in this part of the country because they use too much water. I used to, when I lived in Wyoming, part of a job I had there was to spray these and kill them. But all of this to say, they need water. They are a sign that one has water. They also can grow very tall. They can grow to be as much as 30 feet tall. So they would provide a big visible sign of this covenant that Abraham has made with Abimelech. Having received what he desired from the king entered into this covenant, he plants this tree to be a sign of remembrance. But more importantly, we also see that having got what he want from the king, Abraham gives praise and glory to God. We see in verse 33 that Abraham calls on the name of the Lord. This is the same sort of language we've seen elsewhere in Genesis to describe when God's people turn to him and worship. Abraham knows that while Abimelech restored to him his well, everything he has and everything he is and everything he has gained is ultimately a gift from God's hand. Even the king who Abraham has previously scandalized and mistreated, God has caused him to show favor and provision to Abraham. And so Abraham will call on the Lord, worshiping him and acknowledging his goodness. It can be easy for us when we are caught up in the ordinary business of life to think that the good things that we have and that we receive somehow come from us. Abraham just had a successful negotiation. He secured water rights with the king of the Philistines. It would be pretty easy for him at this point to sit back and bask in his accomplishments. After all, for the first time in a long time, it seems that his life is relatively stable and peaceful. All the things he has gone through, you think back to the matter of Sodom and Gomorrah and his nephew Lot, one that had previously pulled him into war, that was over and done. The problems in his family, the issues of Hagar and Ishmael, those had been resolved. He now has his promised son by his beloved wife, even as they're in their old age. He has security in the land and access to water he needs. I think many of us in a similar situation, we'd be tempted just to sit back and relax and feel good about where we were at. But Abraham's reaction is to worship God, to praise God, to acknowledge that apart from God, he would not have any of these good things that he had, any of the blessings he had received. All of these struggles, sorrows, and sins that Abraham had done Even those had been used by God in Abraham's sanctification, that he might trust in God and trust less in himself. Now just to preview where we're going next, this will be put to the ultimate test in chapter 21 when God calls upon Abraham in the greatest test of his faith yet. But for now there is peace and stability and safety. But for Abraham, with this comes resting not in himself, but resting in the promises of God and the provision of God that has brought all of these things to pass, and the worship of God who has done this. So we have seen in this text, in this covenant making with Abimelech, many important truths for us. First, we recognize in Abraham's sojourning on the earth that this world is ultimately not our home. We long for a better country where sin and its effects are no longer present, but we must live in this world and we must do so wisely and in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Abraham had been done wrong in this episode of the well, but rather than seeking vengeance, he shows patience, he shows deference, he shows forbearance, giving the king better than he deserved. And Abimelech is forced to acknowledge, even as he seemingly has no faith in God, that God is good to his people. Now we also see in Abraham's provision of these lambs in exchange for the well, a picture of the gospel, a picture of Christ. We are all fallen and sinful people who left to our own will experience death and destruction, like being in a desert without a well. We are all condemned and doomed in our sin and misery. The king of heaven and earth has no obligation to do anything to help us. But a lamb has been offered in our place. The lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world so that those who repent of their sins and believe in him receive the living water that never runs dry. They receive life and salvation and eternal blessedness. The life after this life. The world beyond this world that is a true hope and a true home that none other can rival. We also see in this text by Abraham's example that in whatever we gain, whatever we have, we should praise and honor and acknowledge and worship God. We praise God for the blessings we receive in this life. We praise God for his covenant faithfulness. We praise God for the salvation we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so let us all give God the glory for the great things that he has done for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the many truths that it teaches us. Though we are strangers, though we are pilgrims in this land, we have the hope of an eternal home, an eternal country with you. We have this because of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of this world, who is the source of living water. I pray that in light of these glorious truths, we would live honorable lives, that we would seek to make your name great in all that we say and all that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio presentation of Westminster Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Hamill, South Dakota. For more information, you can visit our website, hamelopc.com. That's H-A-M-I-L-L-O-P-C dot com.